Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by First Baptist Church. Here at FBC, it's our mission to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ, and we hope that this message helps you continue to grow in your faith. This audio is property of First Baptist Church, but feel free to give away copies of this message in the hopes that others will be impacted by what they hear. For more information about FBC, or if you want to stay connected with us, visit our website at fbclloyd.ca or look us up on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks, and enjoy the latest from FBC. Good morning, everyone. It seems almost a crime that somebody would have to get up and break us out of the singing in order to talk. I was... was, such a great time of just being able to sing to God. Um, Thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for coming. So appropriate that we would come together today to commemorate Good Friday and more specifically the death of Jesus Christ on our behalf. You know, it seems to me that increasingly Good Friday is irrelevant to the world around us. It's becoming less and less and less of an issue, of a factor, of a consideration. Now, fact was brought home to me earlier this week as I was driving to work one day and I had the radio on and I just caught the end of of a public service ad and I believe it was for SGI. And it seemed at first to be an ad about the Easter weekend and the significance of the Easter weekend. And I wasn't, at that point I didn't know who the ad was for and I was listening to see what what they had to say. And it started off so nicely, but quickly it turned into a plea for us as the public to be careful on the long weekend as we drive. Because apparently... On long weekends, the odds of being in an accident and killed in an accident, car accident, double. So every long weekend, we have twice the chance of being killed in a car accident, or so I was told in this ad. And so it would seem to make sense. We should be careful on the long weekend when we're driving, and that was a a great public service announcement, but it carried on just a step further. And it said, so this weekend, please don't drink and drive. And it just struck me, it hit me, that to the world around us, the Good Friday An Easter long weekend have become just that. Just another holiday and long weekend. It would seem the Good Friday and Easter have lost their relevance in our world. As people have forgotten what this weekend commemorates. Maybe even more sadly, it would seem that a lot of our world 
haven't forgotten, but actually have never really known what this weekend is all about. It isn't even theirs to forget. They just don't know. They're unaware. And so Good Friday and Easter have become like the Victoria Day long weekend. Which again, I would contend, not many of us understand. Victoria long weekend, whatever. It's just the long weekend. The reason and the relevance are no longer significant. And that being the case, It's just become another opportunity for us to escape life and to have a few drinks. But the truth is that this weekend is hugely important. And it's appropriate that we would take a look back and remember the reason behind the holiday. However, I would contend even further yet, that the crucifixion of Christ on the cross is far more than just a historical event to look back on. As much as it is indeed an event of the past, the impact of Christ's death on the cross is not confined to the past. It transcends time. Because through the cross, God cries out to us still today. And in so doing, it is relevant to us now. Every bit as much as it was to them that were there then, and to every person and every generation between then and now. This morning I want to quickly look at three ways in which the cross cries out to us today, seeking from us our attention and our careful consideration. Before we do that, let's pray. Would you pray pray with me? Bow your heads and pray. Father, this morning, God, in the midst of a world that is increasingly out of touch with who you are and what you have done. And Lord, even as that has crept into your church and into the hearts of us as well, in so many different ways, Father, this morning, would you come alongside of us and would you draw us back to the pertinence of what we're considering this morning. To the relevance of this weekend, not just as a historical event, but as something that applies to our lives so definitively and so definitely even now. Speak to us today, God. Reveal yourself to us in new ways. Grow us as your people so that we might be different. And so that our world might once again come to know you as they look at us, as they see us, and as they understand the difference that this weekend makes in our lives today and going forward. 
So to that end, I pray. And I ask these things in your son's name and for his sake alone. Amen. This morning, I would offer to you first that the cross cries out to us that Jesus is the Son of God. And I'd like to look at that from two different perspectives. First of all, I want to look at it from what we know before of Christ's crucifixion. And then, by way of his crucifixion itself, consider the fact that there are over, conservatively, over 300 philosophies about Jesus Christ. And some 26, at least, are related to his trial and death. Psalm 22 was written by David and speaks of a man who cries out to God for deliverance from intense persecution and seemingly foreshadows uncannily the death of Jesus over 1,000 years later. I'm not going to read the whole psalm. I'm going to point to some specific verses. Verse 1 starts off, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the worlds of my groaning? Verse 7, All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. Verse 8, He trusts in the Lord. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him, they say. Verse 16, 17, and 18 go on. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. The late Charles Briggs, who had been a professor at the Union Theological Seminary, said, These sufferings of Psalm 22 transcend those of any historical sufferer with the single exception of Jesus Christ. They find their exact counterpart in the sufferings of the cross. This ideal is a messianic ideal and finds its only historical realization in Jesus Christ. A thousand years earlier, David wrote those words that we would then observe in the actual crucifixion of Jesus Christ. How is that? Why is that? Listen again to Isaiah 53 that Barry read portions of just earlier. Written now some 700 years before Christ. And I'll pick it up in verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that, was brought, that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led 
like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. He was assigned a grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was, he, was any deceit in his mouth. Therefore, verse 12 now, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the strong, because he poured out his life unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors. For he bore the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Within those few verses, we see, again, so many points that were completed, that were fulfilled in the crucifixion of, death, of Jesus Christ, in his death and crucifixion. And they were written hundreds of years before, pointing to Jesus Christ as the Messiah, the Savior from God. They should draw our attention to his identity. But that's not all that draws our attention to the identity of Jesus. Consider Christ's crucifixion itself. Matthew 27, verses 45 to 54. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over all the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, he is calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook, the rocks split, and the tombs broke open. The bodies of many holy people who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs after Jesus' resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many people. In this Along with the other accounts of Christ's death, we find six miraculous supernatural events. The darkness over the earth from noon until three. The temple curtain torn from top to bottom. The earthquake. The open graves. In some accounts, the undisputed, undisturbed grave clothes. And then the miraculous coming back to life of the saints. As we consider the death of Christ, we have to come to the conclusion that this was clearly not just another Roman crucifixion of a common criminal. Something here was very different and should lead us to ask, who is this Jesus. Which brings us then to the testimony of the centurion and his counterparts in Matthew 27, verse 54. 
When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Now if indeed Jesus was the Son of God, it begs a secondary question. How is it that we would come to the place where God would be hanging to die on a cross? And here we hear the cross cry out to us a second time. The cross cries out that sin has a consequence. Psalm 51 verses 1 to 5, David again writing to us, have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion. Blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. David here recognizes his problem of sin and cried out to God for help. This morning, we need to understand that it wasn't just David, but we too have a problem with sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is all of our lot. And Romans 6.23 goes on to explain that because of our sin, we have a significant problem because the wages of our sin is death. What is due us for our sin is death. So we have all sinned against God, and as a result, all of us face death. At that point, it would seem natural to me at least that we would be looking for an escape clause, that we would be looking for a way to circumvent that consequence. But Scripture tells us there is nothing that we can do to save ourselves. Psalm 49, verses 7 and 8 say, No one can redeem the life of another or give to God a ransom for them. The ransom for a life is costly. No payment is ever enough. Which brings us back again to why Jesus, the Son of God, was hanging on a cross. 1 Peter 2.22 says that He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. So it wasn't for his sin that he was on that cross. 2 Corinthians 5.21 provides us the answer. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. 
because of what we had done. That's why Christ was on the cross. Because of the consequence of sin being death. That's why Christ had to come and live a perfect life. And then die in our place. So that as David had been praying to him thousands of years before this happened, God, find a way to remove my sin, to blot out my transgressions. There's nothing that I can do. I need your help. And as Barry said, in the most extreme act of unfairness, God took it upon his son to come and accomplish for us what we couldn't accomplish for ourselves. He came and hung on a cross in our place. Lastly this morning, the cross cries out to us to make a decision. We can't just consider it. We have to come to a conclusion. Could it be that Jesus actually was the Son of God? What do you think? What is your conclusion this morning about who he was? Secondly, what am I going to do about my sin? How am I going to handle it? Am I going to dismiss it as significant? Am I going to try and address it on my own? Or am I going to turn to God, turn to Jesus, and trust Him to have addressed it for me? John 1, verses 12 and 13 say this, Yet to all who did receive Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become the children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. This morning, we come to communion. Because Christ said that we should remember what he has done. And so it's no more fitting than on Good Friday as we remember his death that we would take communion together and contemplate that act offered on behalf of each of us. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Those who don't get it, don't understand it, 
This doesn't make sense. If you're here this morning and the story of the cross is foolishness, if it doesn't make sense, can I call you again? Can I beg you again to reconsider the subject? Because if you don't get it, it's a sign that you're perishing. But for those of us who are being saved. It is the power of God. As we come and we recognize that God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth, has laid out a plan. And in his wisdom and power, he has made a way that we could be saved. That death could no longer be our lot, be our wage, but that life would be our reward through our trust in Jesus Christ, His Son. I'm going to ask the servers to come forward this morning. As they do, I would encourage you Consider again who Jesus is in your life. Consider again the consequence of sin. And that if you don't know him yet, that you would make a move towards him today. And for those of us that do know him, that we would pledge anew to trust in God and to follow him and avoid sin in our lives. Father God, again this morning we stop and we acknowledge you as God and we offer you our utmost respect, our absolute thanks for the provision that you have made through us, for us through through the death of your Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you that you would come. That you would consider it not robbery to have had to have left heaven to come to earth for us, that you would submit yourself to death on a cross in our place. Thank you. And Holy Spirit, this morning, I pray that you would come upon each one of us anew. For those that don't know you, that you would strive in their hearts and in their minds to convict them of the identity of Jesus. Of their need for you. The consequence of their sin. Then they, they would turn to you today. And Father, for those of you, those of us that know you, Holy Spirit, would you then work in our hearts and our, in our minds that we would acknowledge you daily. That we would live for you to the best of our ability. That we would avoid sin day in and day out in our, in our lives, recognizing the consequence that it has even now for us in our relationship with you. 
Though forgiven, it still drives that wedge. Help us, God, to avoid it and to become more like your son. This morning, we remember, we acknowledge, we say thank you. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The wafer is representative of God's body that was broken for us on the cross. The juice is representative of his blood that was shed for us. And without which, there is no forgiveness of sin. This do in remembrance of Jesus. Once again, just want to say thank you for being here this morning. If you don't have a church home, would love to invite you back for Sunday morning Easter service as we take a look at the tomb, the empty tomb, and how it cries out to us today. And if you have never made that decision about who Jesus is, we'd love to talk to you, or maybe talk with someone that brought you, but don't, don't leave it another day. Get that resolved in your heart and mind. Have a great Easter. Thanks again for coming.